Welcome back to the Mom Mentality Show. My name is Austin Chadwick and co-host is Chris Lucian. And today we're going to be talking about influencing organizational change. And uh, I'll be passing off to Chris here in a little bit to give us an intro. But I guess uh, from my uh, perspective, what this uh, topic is about today is basically we have a prior episode on uh, kind of the diffusion of innovation curve. And it's something I have quite a bit of experience in where it's almost like a uh, feels like a grassroots effort. You're on a team, you know, you introduce a change into the how to help it grow throughout the organization. So maybe this is coming from a different perspective, maybe from a leadership perspective, how to influence organizational change. And so, uh, yeah, with that little bit of an intro there, Chris, uh, what are your thoughts there on uh, on, uh, on uh, uh, this task? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, so it's it's pretty interesting, right? So when when mobbing first started, uh, um we were it was very much grassroots there was a lot, a lot of protection around the team doing something different and it just grew and grew and grew and you know now it's a you know it went from like a team of five to a department of 30 and, and doing all the software development right that sort of thing um and so but there was there was a pretty interesting inflection point that happened where it was like we went from grassroots almost to uh um you know, organizationally speaking, just trying to get the idea across that, you know, this is a good thing to do. And, and all those natural questions about like, how can you be effective with, you know, five people at a computer and things like that come up. And so, um, you know, I, I, I was thinking about this episode uh, a little bit um, specifically for that person who's maybe uh, in like a middle management role where they, they have some power, but not full, you know, organizational influence. Um, and they're, they're trying to grow things or, or protect their team or convince their team to do something different. And so, um, you know, I, I think like my, my first thought there is uh, this idea of, um, you know, maybe you are in a position of, uh, of you know, mid-level leadership and uh, you want to, you know, and you're new to that role. Well, I think the first thing that you got to think about really is avoiding the antibody response, right? And so um, this idea that, uh, you know, I think everybody kind of talks about corporate antibodies and, and, and things along those lines. And, and it's like, oh, you're doing something different and we must stop that right away, right? Um, so, uh, you know, advocating for experimentation and other things like that. But I, I think in the very beginning, um, you know, uh, Esther Derby and Don Gray had talked, uh, had mentioned the, a practice of center and return um, and, and kind of like organizational relationships mapping and, and, and finding, you know, kind of where your allies are and, and, and where the detractors are, um, involving uh, somebody who's detracting in conversations as well as, um, you know, finding the people that you have good relationships with um that they also that you have mutual good relationships with so that uh, and, and focusing on them rather than the person that is uh ready to kind of challenge everything that you do and so um you know i, I think uh you know when you're first in that environment uh paying attention to uh the perception and and as well as understanding the current system um and uh and, and just digesting the situation you're in. I think often a lot of people, um, especially in like a coaching role, uh, you know, or, or even just like new management will just upend everything without really understanding what's, what's currently going on. And uh, I think that, that that 
have it tends to burn a lot of bridges, right? You, you want to be seen as effective right away and you want to get in there and do things. Um, and, uh, and, and I think that that can, can really harm relationships up front. So I don't know if that sparks anything, Austin, but, uh, that's yeah, like yeah, yeah. So this whole center and turn thing, uh, it's funny because um, it makes me think of, uh, oddly enough, uh, Lord of the Rings. So, you know, to come in, you're expected to drive a lot of improvement instantaneously. So you're tempted while you're burying the ring to like put on the ring, right? And wield the ring of, of power and do a lot of top-down command and control and make things, make things quote, quote, unquote, better all of a sudden and immediately. So I guess what you're saying is don't do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and, and it's like, you center yourself, you become part of the team and, yeah. and you just, you, you just see, you know, the ebb and flow of everything. And, you know, a little bit later, I want to talk about um, basically mapping out organizational habits and things like that. But, um, you know, this idea of center and return, you know, specifically the center and the enter, because like, I think we all know how to turn, right? It's like, just tell people to do something differently or give a suggestion around that. Or, but like, even the act of being like, and, and especially like always avoid this phrase at my last company, we, right. So like, if you ever find yourself saying at my last company, we did unit testing and it was great. Um, that's uh, almost the uh, a guaranteed way to earn an enemy of some kind. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, just comparing, comparing people to people they've never met before uh, is, is um, you know, I know it doesn't, seem offensive and, and in the moment it seems like the right thing to do but uh often that'll um you know talking about the benefits of the action rather than uh comparing people to people they've never met, met before um uh is is going to be a lot better but even even beyond that it's like you know um there are better ways to turn than that and if you haven't done the center and enter step people are just immediately going to um uh going to fight you it becomes unsafe right away especially if you're in a position of like hiring and firing authority and then and it's like oh you know we did this and, and so all of a sudden you know all kinds of weird stuff is going through their, their mind and, and they become much more closed off to change and and much more likely to tell somebody else uh you know even in like a skip level position that you don't know what you're doing or something um so you know at first it's just like seek to understand and you know um you know so center and enter before you turn uh and and that was like a such a good lesson that i learned from esther and, and don and and i i feel like you know kind of intuitively I, I realized this but i also um you know i think I, I gleaned a little bit of that um from some behaviors i saw in in previous uh environments where uh um we had a leader above us uh, above, above peers comparing the peers to each other which is also something we should never do um because you know it's like oh yeah so and so is behaving this way and it's great they're like why don't you act like that like you know it, it might be but it might be an easy comparison to make and you can get your point across really quickly but it is so damaging to a relationship um and and influencing i think it, it you know is very much built on those relationships um yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, that's um, yeah the the center wait, center enter turn. Uh, yeah. Is that right? yeah, yeah. So so, so you center yourself, you understand, yeah. and then you become part of the team, and you just involve yourself in the process. So that's the entering, right? So when you're yes. centered, you just understand, right? Yeah. You've entered, you've you've 
participated in in the things that you know are wrong, right? Like you just like, oh man, like we need to change this right away. But I'm gonna take a few weeks or a few months or whatever and just be part of it for a while and analyze mm -hmm. some more, right? Like because you know, being in it, you might glean some context that you wouldn't otherwise have. And that, you know, that would be the life or death difference of like insulting another team when you didn't have to or something along those yeah. lines where um because really the problem is somewhere else right um yeah for sure yeah and i think for me my biggest struggle is the uh entering part in the the patience right so i think <laughs> of like okay it's been an hour am, am i considered part of the uh, system yet and ready to to start turning it but assuming you don't have my uh, patience problem and you have uh, entered and become part of the system and you're starting to help turn. And so I guess from what you're saying earlier, I'm imagining you, you know, with a team, you know, in a meeting, something like that. And you have an idea you want to share with them. Um, what are things that you uh, have done or you've seen helpful for, um, uh, you know, this, this battle that can happen with the team where they uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, unhelpful forgetting or the idea comes and goes or, you know, things like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and this is, this is something uh, I learned from Woody Zool uh, quite a bit. Uh, so he's very fond of pithy statements and, and this idea of, um, you know, uh, really short, easy to remember things. Right. Um, and, uh, and then I, I later on, uh, kind of as I was thinking a lot about this stuff, I read a book called Made to Stick and um, Made to Stick uh, really kind of amplified that. It's basically, you know, really easy to remember short ideas that that are easy, easy to digest. And so, um, you know, things like the dry principle, right? You know, don't repeat yourself. Like it's, you know, it, it has a lot of impact for very little and it's easy to remember. And so having as many of those kind of in your tool belt as possible, um, and, and just short stories of, of things, you know, again, um, can, can really help because so, so like, you know, to elaborate on the unhelpful forgetting, I think, uh, you know, it's really easy to explain a complex idea. So, so, you know, first I would say, you know, develop your vocabulary. You don't want to be, um, you don't want to be trying to explain something and just not have the vocabulary for it. Uh, and so this is like, if you're trying to get CI and CD working, right and in your team uh, but you're not calling it CICD you're just like oh you know I really want to avoid you know this you know this process of having to wait for the build and I just want to put it somewhere else I don't want to worry about it like you don't sound like what you, you know what you're talking about so so you, you lose a ton of authority there already um and so you want to develop specific vocabulary or, you know I know that a lot of people think that vocabulary is not super important but um knowing knowing the names and terms uh, because what's likely to happen is, um, and especially in remote meetings, uh, people will go and Google something you just said. Um, and so, and then develop an idea on it based on what they find. So, so if you can, you know, so, so buzzwords do have an importance in this, in this area um, because, uh, but the buzzword must be like super accurate to what you're talking about, because if it's not, then, you know, um, and so, you know, and, and I, I imagine like we throw out a lot of vocabulary on this show and I imagine that people do end up Googling stuff while we're talking uh, during <laughs> the podcast, right? Um, and so, uh, but then beyond that, it, you know, they'll still, like people will still forget and, and it's like not intentional, but it's just like it was in the moment and now it's not and now it's gone, right? Yeah. 
but um the i think the big difference between like in the moment and it's gone and the next moment comes is this idea of the made to stick book and the pithy statements and um and kind of repetition in that area uh and and gradually that'll be kind of adopted so that's that's more of like the top influencing down i think and then also influencing around but um it, it's it's something where it's like oh hey you know this person was saying you know keep it dry and dry is kind of funny and and so like oh and we are kind of repeating ourselves so you know now i remember to do it where if it was before where you're saying okay well you know uh we should be implementing a factory and a strategy pattern so that we don't have to redo this logic every time if you just say that um like that's all very accurate but it's it's not as digestible as dry right gotcha gotcha yeah yeah and i, I can definitely see that because i think especially um you know if you look at it from a traditional perspective of like you know i issue a command and i want them to understand what i'm saying and 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 where it with this it's almost like if you're trying to inspire an experiment so we kind of started this episode with you know this is coming from a leadership position and maybe not like the grassroots diffusion of innovation but it almost seems like from a leadership perspective you're trying to inspire a grassroots diffusion of innovation experimentation cycle right and so if the experiment you're trying to inspire is memorable it's probably more likely to be ran or you know and things like that right where if it sounds you know unclear or you know they, they can't understand what it is or it's hard to remember it's probably gonna have a less less uh you want to increase your chances of a good thing getting a good shot right you know yeah. uh, um and uh, something else that kind of came to mind that is interesting is we've talked about the importance of vulnerability before, right? And I read a statistic and it was out of uh, the Rules No Rules book, uh, the Netflix culture book. Uh, so I'll have to put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, but what it was saying is that if people don't respect you or don't have a good view of you uh, to start with, at least like a, a little bit of a good one and you're vulnerable, their opinion uh, is like 10 times worse or something like that, where if they have, if you have some positive interactions with them, and then you're vulnerable, then you like jump way higher as far as like influence. And so I think like you said about vocabulary, it's just putting your best foot forward to set up a good moment of vulnerability later, where uh, it'll be well received, right? And then vulnerability will spread as opposed to if you lead with that too much, then you might lose your chance for, you know, good things to spread like that. Um, yeah, so that's not some stuff that comes to mind. And maybe to jump a little bit here is, uh, I know you and I have recently uh, read the Atomic uh, Habits book. And uh, one thing that comes to mind there is, how do you habits, so things like, uh, you know, uh, you know, making it obvious, making it attractive, making it easy, making it satisfying, things like that. How would that apply? You know, it's easy to think about those things at like a person level, but how does it apply in an organization? What's your experience there? <laughs> yeah, so this was also, um, you know, pretty interesting. So uh, Atomic Habits, I think, was inspired by the Power of Habit book. And in the Power of Habit book, uh, I believe it's chapter eight. Um, and I, I often recommend the book just for chapter eight. Uh, because um, it it actually is um, the the habits of uh, organiz organizations, right? So organizational habits. So 
in the book, they describe the habit loop and the cue and the habit reward. But I found that that chapter particularly powerful because it it talked a, a lot about the cue and the habit and the reward for an organizational body. Um, and then and then I, I kind of combine that idea with the fifth discipline and and specifically causal loop diagramming. Um, and and you can really uh, get an understanding of kind of what's going on in a system, right? And so um, in causal loop diagramming, there's this idea of reinforcing loops and balancing loops. And, and you know, so you might have a bug, you know, you might have the number, your bug count, right? And so uh, the number of bugs might beget more bugs. And so you have a reinforcing loop uh, and the development team fixing bugs will have a balancing loop on, on that. Um, and then you introduce unit testing, right? And then that's that's also a balancing loop, right? And so, um, uh, you know, you you end up understanding the the whole system, right? And and then you take that um, to the Q habit reward and map that out as well. And you might see that it's like, oh, you know, my Q is I have a task, and then the habit is to do the task, and the reward is that I have a task completed, right? Uh, but if you changed the reward, uh, you know, or, or even the queue to be bugs first, right, versus just a task, right, any task, then then bugs might get worked on more often. Um, and then, you know, or if the reward is there's an additional reward for having full text coverage, that reward being like not having to go back to review test coverage later or something along those lines. But um, and that's like a really simplistic uh, example of that. But uh if you map that out, you can kind of see already how bug counts grow to be uncontrollable. Um, and this is true for just about any habit. So it's like, why is that person treating me this way? Well, create a causal loop diagram around, you know, good interactions and bad interactions. Uh, or, or better yet, why is there a rift between their department and ours? And so um, the organizational habits, I think, are what causes a lot of negative interactions between departments because there's like a, a line of separation and then there's a cue and a habit reward for their interactions. And, uh, you know, and, and once you draw out the causal loop diagram for that interaction between departments, um, I would wager that you'd see a, a very obvious reason why interactions between those groups of people are bad. Um, and so, so, you know, those two things combined, I think, can really help change an organization uh, for the better um, by mapping those those things out. Um, so, yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah, I think we are coming up on time here, but maybe I'll kick one more at you before we close, which is, um, you know, you were kind of kind of talking about the Q habit reward for kind of a negative thing, um, which is good, right? You want them to be able to spot and see something like that. And then kind of for the positive stuff, what's interesting is I'm reflecting back on kind of the habit principles for some of the positive things you're trying to uh, understand earlier. And I see the connection, right? So when we're talking about having good vocabulary and being clear, it's, uh, you know, make it obvious, right? If you want a, the organization to have a new habit, got to make it obvious. So that might be visualizing uh, their delivery process or their value stream map or, uh, auto, you know, some sort of automation that shows uh, you know, how often we're delivering or door metrics or things like that, right? And then uh, making it attractive to do the new thing, right? And making it easy. So uh, as a leader, do you have places where people can run new experiments and not be fighting against the rest of the system and that's pushing them in a negative direction, right? And uh, 
yeah did you, did you have any uh maybe uh any other things that come to mind for uh maybe making it attractive or making it easy uh with yeah. organizational habits yeah <laughs> the bright spot analysis there is also yeah. good, right and so it's just trying to surface the good things that are happening i think a lot of time especially if you're new to an organization uh what'll happen is is you'll you'll get in there and you might only focus on the bad right and and that um that kind of goes back to the first point of uh you know the antibody response but but highlighting the things that are good and saying how can we get more of that uh is a really great way um and and you know i know from working with woody that he's really good at this as well uh is is just like oh wow that was really awesome let's you know what would we need to do to make more of that happen and that doesn't you know that rather than saying oh at my last company we did this it's it's hey you're doing something great here like let's amplify that people are, are much more likely to buy into that as well so um i think you know from a habits perspective um you know and and a memory perspective uh even the the bright spot analysis is, is a really good thing awesome awesome well uh well, well, we'll close it out now. So uh, to our audience, if uh, you have any uh, thoughts, opinions, resources to share, uh, comments on what we said here, a differing perspective, we'd love to hear it on uh, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, and more. Uh, so, And also, uh, if you'd like to start a conversation with someone else on this topic, maybe share this episode with them as uh, uh, the uh, attention getter. And then, uh, yeah, uh, please like and subscribe, hit the notification bell. And until next time, uh, mob well and have a good one. Bye. Bye, everybody.